Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 706th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to the Urban Farms Garden Chat for October. We are excited to have you here, and you may notice a little change tonight. I am not Greg Peterson. I do work really hard to try and follow in his footsteps, but I can't quite wear his hat. Greg and his wife have uh, come down with something a little bit tonight, so they're going to be staying home and resting, and I get to run the, the show, so to speak, here with our monthly garden chat. I am actually excited to do this because uh, this was a topic that when we were discussing, tonight's topic is one that when we were discussing what we were going to be doing, I thought this was something that was going to be really good for me because I have some space where I can really dedicate it. And our topic tonight is basically about gardening indoors. So we're going to basically talk about, and here's our topic, it makes sense to keep our herb gardens close to our kitchens for easy access. And for some people, that means gardening indoors. There is a variety of culinary options to our inside gardens. And this month, we're chatting with Peter Burke to get some useful tips for practical gardening indoors. Now, Peter is an author of a great book, and we're excited to have him here. He's been teaching garden classes since 2006, when he started presenting workshops on indoor salad gardening. He also teaches about square foot gardening, extending the garden season, and many other topics all having to do with that type of area. It's gardening. He has a website, How to Garden, where he supports the need for specialized seeds for indoor salad gardening. And Peter is the host of In the Garden on WDEV Radio Vermont. And he lives in Kalai, Kalai, Vermont with his family. His book is Year Round Indoor Salad Gardening, and you can find that on Amazon, Chelsea Green website. Good. We love Chelsea Green, or at your local bookseller or even your library. Welcome, Peter. Callis, Vermont. Callis. You know, you <laughs> said that before, and I practiced it twice, and I still said it wrong. So, I, have, I just had to kid you. That's all. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Peter. 
Can yeah. we start with what is an indoor garden and why is it different from an well, outdoor garden? For for me, my indoor garden started just about this time of year when I was planting my my garlic and I could hear the uh, the geese flying over overhead. It was starting to get cold. We'd had our first frost. And as I looked at the pantry and thought, well, you know, I hate to see the garden go because I just love those fresh greens for our salads. Right. We have tomatoes and potatoes and onions and all those things. But the thing that you can't get in the winter is fresh greens. You have to buy them. Okay. So I started, you know, thinking about and looking at different ways to get fresh greens in the winter. And of course, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is growing lettuce under lights or on a windowsill or something like that. But when I started to figure out how much space it w- and time it would take to, to grow lettuces and, and also have a, the, enough room for all the lights and all the rest, I thought, uh, I'm going to keep looking. So many years ago, I grew sunflower seeds for a place in Boston called the Hippocrates Health Center. And I was a gardener there. And I was just a kid and I didn't really appreciate what I was learning at the time, but I learned something. And uh, so I started just growing these big trays of, of sunflowers. And I found out pretty quickly that it was more, it was sort of feast and famine. Right. So just on a whim, I planted a little tray, you know, a three by six half loaf bread, bread pan, you know. Uh-huh. So what ended up happening is I had just enough for a day. And so what I would do would be plant and harvest, plant one tray and harvest the other tray. And uh, so that you, you know, you're not taking up a lot of space. You don't need lights to grow these things, and you don't even need to store them in your fridge because you can leave them right in the tray until you're ready to harvest them. So, so you're talking, you basically made one person's version enough for one person on this little tiny tin. Uh, yeah, well, what I was growing was, and a lot of this sort of depends on how many people you're feeding. I was growing sunflowers, peas, radishes, and buckwheat, and that's where I started out. And so I would do one little tray of each. And what that did was it gave me a a really nice tossed salad of mixed greens. Awesome. Different flavors and different textures. And so, you know, with my boys, you know, I tried just one thing at a time, but they weren't really happy, you know. And kids are great. They're great critics and they really let you know. Aren't they though? And they made it quite clear that a salad of, of sprouts, you know, that you sprout in a jar, <laughs> alfalfa sprouts, was not a salad. No. It was something else. So anyway, by, by growing, you know, those, the variety of greens, I had this really nice tossed salad. You had that picture of the, what I call the all-star, all-sprout salad. And uh, I did all the greens. And then, of course, because I had carrots downstairs in the cold cellar, I would grate up a carrot on it. So that was the the only thing that wasn't, you know, a salad. I'm so showing that, a picture it, of it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see in there and it's really, really kind of neat. You see the purple in there? That's yes. That's actually a radish, a type of radish called hongbit. And the, Hold on. The really, so for those... 
For those of you who are going to be listening to this episode later as a podcast, what we're looking at here is a very colorful bowl of greens and oranges and purples and whites. And you can see stringy carrots and sprouts. And wow, that just looks yummy. And it is. It is. It's as good as it looks. And it really works as a toss salad. And it's a it's a gourmet salad, really. You know, the sweetness of the sunflower and each one of them has a, their own characteristic. Even and the, the radishes even have a little bit of heat to them, you know, but not yes. hot, hot or anything like that. And so, you know, this is the basic salad. Those four things, the radishes, the peas, the sunflower, and the buckwheat, those are the basis of the salad. Now, there's there's other things you can grow and add to, you know, or make variations on the theme. But the cool thing about this, Janice, is that from the time you plant the seed to the time you harvest is seven to 10 days. So because this you're is, growing them as specifically to have about a seven days worth of growth. That's right. That's right. So awesome. it's it's so cool because, well, first of all, you know, if you have 35 of the little tiny trays, you know, the three by five, that gives you enough to have, you know, five per day for seven days, you know, and I grow in on a shelf that's 20 inches wide and six feet tall enough to have, uh, you know, about a pound of greens every day. So is this your other picture? A lot of space. Is this the other picture that you have? The other picture, it's sort of, it's not the, I didn't send you a picture of the, the shelf, although okay. this is one of the shelves and that's a good, that's a good picture to show. That's about how much room you need to, yeah, there you go. That's a north window to start with. So you don't need a bright, sunny Southern window. And this is just a, you know, the, the shelf I have that I use every day, it has one more shelf, a fourth shelf on it. But, you know, this makes it so easy because it, it's just ambient light. You don't so need what, bright lights. So what we're looking at here is a, a shelf that's attached to a window mm -hmm. that has uh, three levels and yep. it has bowls of yep. microgreens growing. Yep. It is not a large window at all. In fact, some of the bowls are, you know, probably getting maybe 30, 40% of the sunlight right there. Yeah, yeah. so plenty. You can see how well they're greening up. They are gorgeous. And what so, do you have in these bowls really quick? The, the bowls at the top, the ones that's all yellow, okay, those are, I just put on the shelf. Uh -huh. And then the ones down at the bottom, you know, most of those, those are day seven or eight or nine, you know, somewhere in that range. And those are ready to harvest. Except, well, there's one down there at the bottom that has yellow leaves. So the secret here, the, the key point is that after I plant, you know, I plant them right on top of the soil and I put a piece of wet, wet newspaper right on top of it. And then I put it in a dark place for three days. For three days, you keep them in a dark place. And what we're doing, the principle is just like in gardening or using or, or gardening flowers is, is I'm forcing the seeds. Well, as I'm, I'm, I want them to grow a long stem because the stem is part of what makes it so productive is that that, that crisp, juicy, delicious stem as well as the cotyledon, the, the leaves on top. 
Right. And that's what makes it very productive. So, and also jam packed with nutrients. And that's so key right there is that you, there's nothing that you eat that is so fresh. I mean, you're going to cut this, put it in the bowl and eat it. I mean, it, it's just, you, you know, even with the best that you get at the farmer's market, it's a few days old. Right. And even with the best that you get the co-op or the, you know, these wonderful greens that are available now, you know, they're three or four or five or six or seven days old. These are fresh. Three and to five minutes old. You can, yeah, five minutes old. Five, five <laughs> and you really, that salad that we saw before, that is so satisfying and so delicious that it really, it, it's so well worth it. So this solved that problem that I had is, well, how do I get fresh greens in the winter? And I find that this works just as well in the summer, particularly like a hot climate where you are, there are many days or months when it's just too hot to grow lettuce outdoors. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, without a shade or, you know, some sort of covering or, you know, so this works just as well. And that's why I ended up, at first I was thinking, well, this is good for winter. And then I realized, you know, this is really year round indoor salad gardening. You can use this technique not just now during the winter months, but you can use it right along. And if you're gardening and it happens to all of us, you know, you have that lettuce that you think is all ready. And the next time you go out, it's bolted. Yes. Bitter. Yes. And so with this kind of thing, with this technique, you can have fresh greens in seven days. So if that happens to you, you know, you can fill in the garden until that next batch of lettuces right. come up or mescaline or whatever. Right. This is awesome. It All is. right. So we're going to go into a little bit more of the how-to yep. and how what the steps are to get this going. For those of you who are listening here in our, in our chat, please feel free to throw some questions at us. We're going to try to address those Absolutely. and Give us your questions because I'm coming up with mine, but I'm not the only one listening here. All right. So walk us through how you were going to prepare your soil and what you do to get started, please. Okay. The soil is just a regular germination mix. Peat moss okay. from eucalyte, perlite, and sometimes there's a wetting agent in them. And I use anything, any one of those. The only ones that I don't use are the ones that have a chemical fertilizer in them. Okay. So that's that's the the growing medium. Just very simple, straightforward germination. Seed starting mix, mix germination yeah. mix. And then I have found that a small bit of nutrient is really helpful to keep keep them growing past that 7 days cuz after 7 days if you don't have some sort of nutrients, they'll start to yellow a little bit. Because they've used up the what's in the seed. They're so fast growing. Yeah, so because I they've put, used up what's in the seed. Yeah, they used yeah. up what's in the seed. Yeah. So I put in a tablespoon in that half loaf pan, a tablespoon of compost, and a half teaspoon of sea kelp meal. Okay. Or, or liquid sea kelp, whichever you want. Okay. And, you know, almost anything, any kind of compost will work. You could use worm castings or you know, any type of, of compost. It just needs to be very small because, and that I put at the very bottom of the tray. So the, the compost and the sea kelp 
go at the bottom of the tray. And you'll see after you grow them, you'll see that the roots go right straight down and then they start to just wrap around the bottom. They don't grow back up into the soil. So that's where I put the fertilizers right on the bottom. And then I put that germination mix on top, pat it down a little bit. How deep do you get it? The, the tray is about, about two inches and I'll okay. leave a quarter inch so that, you know, when you water, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't overflow. Okay. And note here that, that I'm using trays that don't have any holes in them. Okay. So that germination mix, what you're going to do is I, I use a gallon bag, you know, I take it out of the, the bag and I put in, it's dry at that time. And I put in a quart of water to a gallon, a gallon of the, the soil mix of the germination mix. So what that does is it, that keeps it wet enough for those first three days, that germination mix is wet enough for it to, to sprout, to encouraging the, the germination. So after I have my tray all set up, what I do is I put the seeds right on top, but the seeds are soaked for one overnight between okay. six and 24 hours. So the seeds, that starts the forcing, what I'm talking right. about forcing, because I'm soaking those seeds, as soon as you put them in, they can They're start ready to, to grow. Go. They don't have to soak up any moisture from the soil or anywhere else. So I had the soil mix. Uh, well, I had the little bit of fertilizer, the soil mix, and then I put the seeds right on top. And the seeds are covered so that they're that they cover the soil so they're touching. So the, it's like, like, like peas, you know, it takes, uh, you know, you put the peas in there and they're, they're all touching. That's, you know, you don't need to. It's like uh, you're spreading anything. a thin layer, like you're covering yep. a, a piece of toast with something. Yep. Yep. Right. Like that. And so the same is true with the, with the radishes and the sunflower and the buckwheat, you know, that you're just covering the whole thing. And then I top that all off with a, cover and I use newspaper because it's easy to get or newsprint you can you can buy it blank but you know you take a newspaper and I'll use two or three sheets and fold it up so it sits so it fits right on top of the container but I, and I soak that really really well so that it's just absolutely so you put it on top right so this takes the place of in the garden when you when you cover your seeds with soil that takes its place Right. And that keeps it nice and wet. It gives you a nice dark, you know, germination. You know, it's a good incubator for the germination of the seeds. And so this is goes in that at that point, it goes in the dark for three days. For three days. And you don't have to water it, you don't have to do anything with it. Nope. Do nothing. Easy. Don't you like that? I love that. <laughs> I love that. As busy as I am, that's exactly how I want to garden. That's right. That's so awesome. At the end of the the three or the four days, the seeds will be up about an inch, and that that layer of newsprint that pushes it right up. Right. And that day four is what I call the push-up day because it pushes that right up, and you know you'll see just the just the for an inch of of the the little seedlings coming up through just the little cotyledon and leaves and stuff. That's what you saw in the picture was all those yellow leaves because they hadn't had any light yet. Right. So you take the, the newspaper off. It should be just about dry by that time. And then you put it on a shelf in any light, you know, 
you can put it on the, the windowsill or you can put it on a shelf like I showed you and it'll, it'll turn green by the end of the day or and the next day you'll start to see it growing. Now, if you have little kids, this is such a blast because every day that they're in the dark, if you pull them out and you peek under that newsprint, you can actually see the little you know roots starting to grow. And then the radishes especially, you see all the root hairs, right. they look so fuzzy and furry that a lot of people will say, well, gee, I've got mold on them. And I said, no, those aren't, that's not mold, it's root hairs. It's root hairs. they're all white and fuzzy and they look really, really neat. <laughs> so we're getting some questions already. Here's a good one. What's the temperature zone that we're working at? How warm does this need to be? When they're germinating, I like to keep it between 60 and 75, you know, okay. just a nice room temperature. Uh, I've had some people who, up here in Vermont, you know, they had a, a cabinet that they were, and, and the cabinet was right up against a cold brick wall. And so she was saying, gee, I'm not getting good germination. I was like, well, where are they? Nice warm place? No, they're in a cold cupboard. So you want to keep it at least room temperature, somewhere between 60 and 75. All right. And, six. and that'll get them to spread. So 60 to 75 degrees sitting on this little tray. And we, we cover it with the, the paper and we let yep. it sit there for four days. And then we take that off and we put it in this, these trays or these bowls or whatever we're going to do, right? We pull it out and we put it in the, the light. Or do yep. you transplant it out of the trays into the bowls? No, no. The tray is your bowl. The tray so is you bowl. you can use a ceramic bowl or one of these little uh, uh, the bread trays. And it stays there for all seven days. So the trick here is you put it in a about a two inch deep bowl yep. that does not drain. So this is That's so right. a regular cereal bowl is fine. You got it. You hit the nail on the head. So it doesn't matter what you're using. It could be anything. Absolutely. And we've and let, about two inches, two inches to work with. So two inches. An inch and three quarter inch and a half of soil and then leave a little space at the top so that when you water, it doesn't overflow. Awesome. And then you don't have to worry about where you're putting it because you don't have any holes. You don't need any drainage. You don't need any of that stuff. Right. Because once they go on the shelf, every day you're going to give them a little watering, okay. just a little water. Just and it's only like somewhere between two and four tablespoons. Okay. So just, you know, and I always use a, a spout, you know, a watering can with just a spout a so that I'm watering the soil, not the plant. So what I'm doing is I'm taking the spout and I'm putting it right next to the soil and I'm, I'm watering the soil. And that, that, that keeps that soil moist. And that's where the roots are for the for little germinating plants. Also, it keeps the leaves dry and you don't want to, to get them too wet because that will promote, you know, fungus. Or, fungus and mold growth. Yeah. Usually and not a problem, but. So when you have this and you've got the you've got the the tablespoon of compost and the little bit of kelp emulsion, we yeah. have our favorite. The urban farm happens to have a favorite on that. That's uh, yeah. essence, which we love. And yep. uh, you put this in there. You've got your 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 seed starting mix. You've got it going out. So you've got this growing. And if it's let's say it's just you and your wife, it's just the two of you. Yeah. How soon are you going to start the next batch? I do a little bit every day. Okay, like a bowl or a day. Or I'll use the, the larger bread loaf, the four inch by eight inch bread loaf pan, 
that's what I call my large one. <laughs> Still pretty small, but it's large. You can do two of those a day for the two of us. And then that brings up the one of the fun things is making your own mixes because you can you can take the, the peas, the sunflower, the radish, and the buckwheat and mix them all together and plant them all at once. Oh, make your own jam that you're spreading on that on that delicious exactly. uh, soil yeah. loaf. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then you've already got your mixed salad. So yes, you're basically, you I would think that for myself and I, myself and I, well, okay, my husband doesn't eat big on salads. So for myself, I'm going to plant the equivalent of what I'm going to eat yeah. each day yep. or every couple of days. And then yep. I'm going to let it grow. Yep. And we let it grow for, you said for, it takes about four days before you bring it out. Yep. And right. then it, what, another three to four days before three it's ready to, four to harvest? Days in the sun, yeah. Three now, the days. nice thing is, is if you're not ready to use them after that three or four days in the sun, you just keep watering them. They keep growing, you know. And so you have a little leeway there. You don't have to harvest it on the seventh day or the 10th day. You can let them grow for another little while. And then okay. so you don't have to worry about the storage in a, in a fridge or anything like that. Right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have the thing is you're going to do, uh, say, a, a picnic, right? Uh -huh. Or your son is coming home from Ohio. Yes. And you know that he loves salads. So a week before that, you start another two or three extra trays. And, you know, I got company coming. Let me start another extra coming. bowl. Yes. One of my sons, he loves the sunflower seeds and he will take a whole tray, cut them down put them in a sandwich, squish it down <laughs> and eat the whole tray. <laughs> awesome. Oh man. I can just imagine what my granddaughter's going to do with this. Yeah. So that is actually cool. I'm going to, I'm going to start a bowl just for her. And One will, what are the types of plants that this works best with Are you know, obviously herbs are something that grows well indoors. Would we be doing this with herbs? Well, you can, but it's that's a that's sort of an entirely you know it's an entirely different field where you're going to grow it and then pick a little bit and pick a little bit and pick a little bit. So it's more like a it's more like a house plant in that okay. it's sort of a it's something that you're going to grow for quite a while. Right, because uh, you want to keep the one of the great plant. ones is uh, that's easy to do is basil. Yeah. You know? And you know you can grow quite a few stems, quite a few plants of basil in one pot. Yeah. And anytime you want to add, you know, basil on your pizza or whatever, you can just cut the leaves down and you know, and use them or chop them up in your. So growing the salad mix via herbs is not really going to be the answer because you're actually trying to grow an herb plant for the herb itself. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we're just planting the salad part is just for the stem and the cotyledon, not the, the true leaf. And that's sort of what distinguishes what I call the soil sprouts from a, a microgreen. Microgreens are actually grown for the true leaf. Okay, right. so, so that, you know, that's a, actually a, a slightly different process. And that almost always requires lights. And this is what I just love about this is you're getting this wonderful wealth of and and volume of fresh greens and you're not using any lights or any pumps or recirculating this or that it's just it's just very easy to do it's not like a a toy garden right this if you were to measure it 
by you know standard farming measurements is like how much per acre. If you had an acre of these trays, I figured it out, you could grow 2,300,000 pounds per acre. So wow. <laughs> it is, it is a, just a remarkably productive garden. You know, it's, and it's so simple. Okay, so I'm going to talk a couple more aspects here on this, some questions that came to mind. All right, so first, how much seed do you need to grow like this? Okay, the the large seeds, the ones like the peas, the sunflower, the radish, and the buckwheat, that's a tablespoon per the half loaf baking pan. That's a three by six. okay? Okay. So that takes one tablespoon. You soak that overnight. And so it becomes more in volume than just the one tablespoon. And then smaller seeds, if you're going to try things like uh, broccoli, you can do uh, broccoli and and cauliflower and cabbage and Chinese cabbage and arugula. If you like arugula, um, (laughs) sprouts are are very, very hot. And I always suggest that if you like arugula, grow it in a mix. Just mix a little bit in because it'll just if you just grow arugula it'll knock your socks right off it's it's too strong just a dash yeah just a dash exactly you can grow uh things like nasturtiums like this and that works very well and they're they're spicy and hot mustard greens most beans don't work well but the ones that do are your french lentils those work very well mung beans are really good. And the zuki beans, you know, the red azuki beans. I don't know if you've seen those. I've not tried those. Yeah. They're used widely in Japan, but they, they grow really nice. And, and they, they're sort of similar to at the bottom, right? The, the peas, Okay. you know, in the picture there, the that's, those are peas there and any kind of pea, if you have leftover peas from, from your garden, you can use those, you know, to grow so you nothing goes to waste there. <laughs> wow. Okay. So this is like anybody who's growing for a great American seed up and purchasing through our seed up program. They're yep. going to have to double and triple their order because this is some yummy, yummy way to grow. You got it. Okay. So you've got all this done. We did have a question. You said two tablespoons for the large seeds. How much for the small seeds? I said one tablespoon for the large seeds. One. And then one teaspoon for the small seeds. Okay. All right. So one tablespoon and, large, one teaspoon small. Yeah. Now if you and a use, dash of arugula, <laughs> <laughs> or or mustard, you know, you or mustard, or nasturtium. Okay, those spicy ones, just to kind of kick it out. Yeah. And okay, so I guess I have one more question. Although I think I interrupted. What were you going to say? Oh, okay. the the small tray is the is the same is the uh, the three by it's a half loaf. It's three inches by six inches. And the large tray is the four by eight. So the four by eight, the large one, that's the same size as a regular bread loaf pan. That would be two, two tablespoons of the large and two teaspoons of the small. So the goal is to have a, a single layer thick touching yep. sm- mish of yep. seeds. So yep. it doesn't, you don't, you're not doubling up on your seed. You want a, a single layer thick of seeds that touch spread out like a jam on your soil. That's All right. right. Yeah. Okay. And and for the small seeds, some of them, like the arugula, I do what I call spoon casting them. I, 
I sort of plop them in the middle and then I use a spoon to spread them out just like peanut butter, like you're saying. <laughs> what about carrots? I mean, those are like some fraction of seeds. No, the carrot does not have a really good cotyledon or a really nice stem, thick stem. That's okay. what we're going for, something that has a, has a nice stem like the sunflowers and the peas and a nice big fat leaf like the, like, you know, the radishes. And, and those are really good. Carrots, as some people say they grow carrots as microgreens. But again, in order to get the, uh, a green that's good for your salad, it takes 21 days. Okay. And so that's why it takes, you know, it takes up more space. It means it requires lights and, you know, it's, it's not worth it unless, you know, unless you really like carrot greens. Unless you really like carrot greens. There you go. And you know what? If you're willing to start with some of the stuff that he's recommending, try something else on the side and see whether or not you like it. Exactly. Right. The one I'm going to try, this is uh, the fava bean. I've heard, I've read, and a uh, few people have mentioned that it's quite delicious. So I'm going to give it a try. I haven't had good luck with any of the other beans other than those mung beans and the uh, and the zuki beans and the, the French lentils, those ones. Some of those uh, beans the are bean very works well big, for you, let me know. Some of those really, some of those beans, like the fava beans that we have are, are quite large. Large, yes. Oh, and some people grow corn too. Some people okay. grow corn, but usually they grow that and blanch it so that it's still yellow. And that mean, and it's very sweet that way when you cut it up. So they're they're like yellow stalks. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And okay, so these seeds, you're going to soak them for six to 24 hours. Yep. And you're going to put them in there, even the small seeds, right? Yep. Okay, awesome. Because we got some questions. And my apologies to everyone on board. I know that some of your questions are coming through and I'm not calling your name out because Annette had a question about the location. Jewel is asking, can we put our microgreens in the south facing window during the winter in Phoenix because our sun is lower in the sky, but not oh, as sure. hot. Sure. I mean, you can't have too much light, you know, if it's in the south facing window, that's perfectly fine. But the reason I show that north north facing window is most everybody says, well, I don't have a, north, a south facing window. I can't do this. And I just want to, you know, point out that, yeah, you can. And north windows, east window, west window, south window, any one of those is fine. If it's in a really bright window where it's hot, then you may have to watch the amount of water that you, you know, that you It'll put in. It'll go through. You may have right. to have a little bit more so it makes it through the whole day because we're only going to water it once a day. That's our only, that's our only chore once they're oh, out on so this. Cool. And then it's great because you can brush them, you know, with your hand, look at them and talk to them if you want to. And, you know, so it's just cool. like the garden. I always say, you know, the garden, you nurture the garden and the garden nurtures you, you know. Right. So it's, it really, it it's just like having an outdoor garden right on your windowsill. It's, it's a lot of fun. So harvesting, you come through with your scissors and you just cut them off. Yep, about a quarter inch up. I just use either a pair of scissors or a sharp knife uh -huh. and I'll take them, you know, and just hold them and then just cut from one side to the other. And I usually like to keep them so the stems are all, you know, lined up and, and then I place them in a, a little plastic container or a bowl just deep enough to hold them. And then as you run a little water on them, 
you know, I just kind of pat them and the seed, uh, the hulls, whatever extra hulls come up, they just go over. And they're very easy to, to wash. And this is one of the things I absolutely love about growing them in soil is that unlike growing your sprouts in a jar, you don't have all those hulls because a lot of the hulls drop right down onto the, onto the soil. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it makes it much easier to clean up. Nice. Okay. So now we've got our bowl. We've yep. grown our, our plants. We've let them sit there. So it's a few days in the closet or a dark area, brought them out, let them grow. Now we harvest them. We do the gentle cut. We harvest them. We've got their beautiful salad ready to go. What do we do with the leftover? What do we oh, do with the the, 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 the soil cake is what I, I call it. The leftovers, because I have about five compost bins that I use, you know, right through the season. And, you know, with the compost, you want the greens and the browns. Right. And so I use those soil cake, cakes for the browns. I'll take our bucket of, you know, of, of uh, compost stuff, you know, the fresh green stuff left over. Right. I'll put that on and then I'll put some of the, uh, the soil cakes right on top of it. And That's the soil cakes are browns. That's the browns. That would be like your straw or your leaves or whatever else, so that right. you, know, you get enough air in there, and right. and then you're enriching your soil right along with it because you know you've got all that root system that's that's going to decompose. So it's just like doing a a manure, a green manure in your garden, because with the with the green manure, half of what you get is the root system underneath the soil. And that, nice. that really enriches your soil. So this, this is a, a good way to enrich your soil as well with the compost bins. That's one way to do it. No, the other way kidding. is to take those soil cakes and just stack them up in a, in a five gallon bucket or some sort of a you know, trash can and just, just keep stacking them up. And they, you know, over time, you know, they'll just break down right in that bucket. You can, and you get compost there. You get compost that way. And then the third thing you can do is let them dry out completely. Okay. And then just crumble them up so you can separate out all the roots and stuff and reuse it. Okay. So the soil is reusable if you take the roots out. Yeah. Okay. So Joan wants to know what the soil recipe is again. Oh, okay. It's, it's called a germination mix and uh -huh. it's just peat moss, vermiculite and perlite. That's okay. all just those things. And a lot of times there'll be a wetting agent in there. And some of them are inoculated with the mycelium. All those things are fine, but it's just a basic germination mix. A super simple organic germination mix. And then yeah. what do we, and then we put in there with the, on the bottom of the tray, we put worm castings and yeah. kelp. So how much worm castings ratio maybe? So it's a tablespoon of uh, some sort of compost, worm castings or manure compost or, you know, for a, compost. For a little tray, just a tablespoon. And then tablespoon. how much? How and much? A half teaspoon of, uh, of your, uh, the sea kelp meal. Of the kelp mix. Sea awesome. kelp meal or liquid sea kelp. All right. And then you put your, your soil mix on top. Put Fabulous. Soil mix on top. This is so simple, Peter. <laughs> and I love this because I have, yeah. in, in Arizona, we, we have a, uh, some of the houses that we have really create light 
issues and yeah. my the north side of my house stays really dark because of the way just the way everything lined up in my house the north yep. side of my house so i don't have a lot of plants growing there because they mm. just don't get enough sun but now i can like start spreading my greens That's everywhere in my absolutely. north side of my house this is exciting yep, yep. in the book there's a a simple line drawing of how I built the, the shelf that I use. What I usually use is the, the little cupboard over your fridge. Uh -huh. I'll use that for those first three, four days. And because, of course, with the fridge running, it always stays a little bit warm over there, right. up on the top. Now, with the shelf that I, the design there in the book, that has the uh, a little cupboard down underneath. So that would be below where your window is and then there's four shelves that go up from there and uh, it makes it makes it really easy to to put you know right in front of the window so cool <laughs> i am in i am inspired right now i'm going to the great american seat up in a couple of weeks i am going to be shopping again even though i do this anyways i'm going to be yep. buying some more seeds deb asked a really good question she says could you add the roots to food like soup or stuff like that or do you need to replant them and then replant the soil cakes? Can you um, just take the roots I out? Don't, I don't reuse. No, I don't reuse the, the roots. The only one that will grow on its own is the peas. If you if you just keep watering in them and leave them in the light, they'll grow a second crop. But it'll be half the size of the, of the first crop. Well, what if you use the roots for cooking? I don't do this, no. but it sounds like Deb uses roots in her cooking, which is a whole nother topic that I need to go look into now. I'd have to think about, the only one I can think of that the roots may have enough mass that it would be worthwhile would be the peas. They make quite a mat of roots and I have never tried them. I, so I don't really know. I have no idea. <laughs> Deb, please try and, and report back. Let us know what and you let, think. Let us know. Let us know. Jewel says, this is easier than aquaponics. No yes. kidding, right? Yep. Okay, so a few months back, I had my garden plants going and I was having a little bit of an addiction. And every time I came home from the grocery store, I had another plant. One of those times I brought in and I brought in the dang little gnats, which took us a long time to get rid of. Are these susceptible to pests? How do you protect them from pests? I mean, I know they're indoors, so we don't have the outdoor pests, but those indoor gnat things. Yeah. Okay, the only problem you'll have is if you try to use garden soil or okay. your own compost. Well, it's whenever I use the compost, I always use something that's a bagged compost because then you know that that compost doesn't have any critters in it or any gnats or any, any of that stuff in. So I always use a bagged compost. Okay. And I never use the soil or the compost from my garden because theoretically you could use it but you'd have to sterilize it first and so i do, i don't use that and, and a lot of people say well gee can't i just use the the compost from my garden and i was like only if you were willing to sterilize it because you know you've got the gnats you know you've got uh, worms you've got all kinds of critters in there and they should be in there they're there because they're supposed to be there outside but, Outside. <laughs> it's another be... good reason to use the the germination mix because you know it's a sterile it's called a sterile mix it's a sterile mix yeah. yes 
Our good friend Kari Spencer talked about that at length in one of our other classes. So if you are interested in sterilizing, learning how to do that, reach out to us and we'll get you the link to um, Kari's class. Reach out oh, to Greg. Cool. We'll yeah. make Greg do that one since he's not here tonight. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So what have been some of your, what are your top 10 favorite seeds? Seeds? To do this with? The peas, absolutely. Sunflower, radish, what a lot of fun. And the radishes, again, there's the regular daikon radishes. Those are nice and white. The red ones like this one, the, the Hong Vit radish. And then there's three or four other varieties of radish and all of them are lots of fun to plant. I like, I like the, all the varieties. I like growing broccoli. It's not super productive as far right. as, you know, you get three ounces of sunflowers and you probably only get about an ounce of the broccoli. But the benefit of growing broccoli is it's super high content of sulforaphane, which is a, an antioxidant that's known to actually kill cancer cells in the body. And there's been extensive you know, research done on this by the Johns Hopkins University Medical Center, and then a number of other ones. If you put sulforaphane in your Google search and look at all the research that's been been done on it. It's quite impressive. So that one ounce that you get from the tray will have as much sulforaphane as four pounds of fresh broccoli, the heads. So it's a, have you ever heard of the book, Superfoods? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's a sidebar in there called the super superfood. And the it's super superfoods. Because and for that one reason that it's just so potent that it's well worth it if you know if you if you want it as a as an herb or a medicine in a sense you know they're sweet but they're delicious and stuff but they're not wildly productive so I just put a little bit in the salad and the nice thing about that too is that if you're making a soup say like a miso soup and you want to garnish you can garnish it with the the broccoli uh, sprouts and, and it'll, it still is potent because the heat doesn't bother the sulforaphane at all. Okay, spell sulforaphane. It's like sulfur. S-U-L-F-U-R. Yeah, and O-fane, F-A-N-E. O-F-A-N-E, all right, sulforaphane, yeah. got it. All right, I'm gonna list off some seeds real quick because I have my shopping list here. Okay. And I wanna see and just go yay or nay if these are good ones to do. So obviously arugula is a dash. <laughs> and the beans, it depends on the beans. Yep. So All right. the bean family is, of course, I include the peas, you know. So the, the peas, the French lentil, the azuki bean, and the mung bean. Those okay. ones, all wonderful, wonderful greens. And you loved beets. You loved beets. all flavors. Beets? Beets? Radishes. All flavors are radishes. Radishes. Okay. Yeah. And broccoli was a yes. What about yeah. cabbages? It's the same as broccoli. It's it's good. I usually use the Chinese cabbage, but like all of them are nice okay. and sweet, just not very productive. Okay. You, know, you you get an ounce, so it's it's sort of a garnish for your salad or a garnish for something. You know, it's not it's not big. You know, not the way that sunflowers and peas are, and the radishes. It's that just, is satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> give you that big lush salad. Okay. So we said carrots are not so, not so awesome. Nope, I wouldn't do those. What about collards? 
yeah, that's right in the same collards and kale. All of them are in that broccoli family. Okay. And so if you have extra kale seeds, definitely use those or collards, you know. Oh, here's one I, don't, I haven't heard about yet. What about like cucumbers and squashes? Not good, usually. I, I really thought that squash seeds and cucumber seeds and pumpkin seeds were going to be great because they're so similar to the sunflower seed. Right. And yet, no, there are, they are so bitter and, and, and just yucky. I, I didn't like them at all. Okay. All <laughs> then, right. You know, I, but, you know. Good to know. Yes. Don't try those. Yes, what about, what about eggplant? I've never tried them. Mm, okay. And I. Yeah, I've just never tried them. All right. Well, what about kohlrabi? Yeah, kohlrabi okay. for sure. Yeah, but it's going to be a small green, just like your your broccoli and all the rest. And it'll okay. have a sweet flavor. I'm good for sweet. I love sweet. Well, I'm yeah. definitely doing, I'm definitely increasing my broccoli purchases to eat up. You said yes for lettuce? Uh, or is that going to be the same? No, I wouldn't use lettuce only because it takes... 21 days to oh. get even, you know, you don't have a, a nice fat stem and a big, you know, cotyledon, right. you know, seed leaf. Okay. So it's, it's a, that's a microgreen. That's going to take you 21 to 30 some days when you'll need lights for lettuce. Okay. I'm predicting a no on this one. What about onions? You can, people say they like the onions. And I was never happy with them because their germination rate it seems to be a real hit and miss. And okay. then once you get it, but one thing that I do is, uh, do you grow garlic at all? Yes. Okay. If you let it uh, blossom at the top, right? Right. You get the little tiny garlic pearls at the top. Right. You take those and you plant those just the same way. Those will give you a nice big fat onion and the same thing with the walking onions. You ever do those, the Egyptian walking onions? I same haven't, but my friend has. Has the bulbs at the top, right? Right. And they're little tiny. You take those off, you plant them, just the same thing so they're touching, and then let them grow up. And there's a sidebar in the book that shows you what those look like. Okay. I'm definitely those getting this real, book. But onion seeds, no, no. Okay. What about tomatoes? Takes too long to grow. It takes Again, too long. It's, I was expecting that. I think you probably would be kind of tasty, but I've never eaten one of those little guys. Well, I'll have hmm. to try one. Okay, last one. Peppers? Nope, takes too long to grow. Yeah. And watermelon. Never tried it. Never tried it. All right, so would, we've got I some would, we've got some new ideas there for you to try I maybe. I would hope, yes. Cantaloupe yeah. and watermelon and honeydew, all of them sound so delicious, don't they? But yeah. I suspect that they're going to be just like the other squashes. They're going to have a bitter flavor. That's what I would suspect. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> tell us again, tell us again, the name of your book and where we can get it. Okay. It's a year round indoor salad gardening and by me, Peter Burke, and you can get it of course on Amazon. If you get it on Amazon, make sure you leave a comment. Please and uh, or the Chelsea Green, they have a that's my publisher and they have a website and frequently have nice sales. Matter of fact, I think I was just saw a blurb that they had a sale now. And those are pretty significant it's a lot of times. And of course, go to the library, tell them you want that book. They should order three. 
Yes, absolutely. This should be in every library, especially if they have a seed library at your library. Tell them absolutely. you are missing something if this book isn't here. And if you do go into those sites, be sure to say you heard about it at the Urban Farm. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, it has been a joy having you here tonight. And thank you for yep. stepping in and accepting that me and Greg Stead. You're um, very welcome. And it's been a pleasure. It's good to Thank you. We are going to ask you to come back and have another chat with us next year, probably, if we want to do another talk. Yep. So This is the perfect time of year to get started with it. Right? I, I the, the timing on this could not have been better for me. Yep. Yep. I, I am so ready for this. So, yep. Peter, thank you. And for everybody else who's here tonight, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the great questions. I'm a little bit different in my mantra here. I mean, how I'm doing things with Greg, but I've missed him because... I'm used to him giving me little buzzes in my ear. We're just going to send him love that he's going to get better. He and Heidi will get better really soon. Better. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I hope it's not the, the COVID creeping crud. So Ugh. he'll get, he's, he's pretty uh, resilient. And yeah. uh, I'm sure yeah, he'll the flu has been going around too. But anyway, Tom, yeah. I hope he's feeling better. And it's been a real pleasure. I want to thank you. Thank you. A month from now, this uh, this class will be released in our Urban Farm podcast. So if you're hearing this in our podcast, you missed the good class a month ago. Um, <laughs> but come on and join us for the next one. All right. I would appreciate you all. Thanks, everybody. And uh, if you're local and if you are inspired, you got to come to the Great American Seed Up November 4th and 5th in Phoenix. Um, take a look. All righty. Thanks, everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners, if you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.